0: Ultra and welcome back to the Talking Blurry podcast. My name is Stuart McNamara and I'm here with my co-host and yours, Robert Cross. That's better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rob Cross here, as I as I might prefer to be called. by how's everyone? How's, how's the week been, Stu? Uh,
0: not the best week, not the worst week. Uh, a bit of trouble, but you know we got through it all. We, we did, and um, we we did. You break international
1: law this week, Stu? Not that I'm aware of. Good. Well, it's a good thing none of us broke international
0: law, because of course if anyone did, that would be very bad. I've been a bit uh, down on the news, so I'm not entirely sure what he's (laughs) referring to, but I'm sure I'm going to get the whole story later on.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's just the British government are saying they're going to break international law in terms of Brexit and the Good Friday Agreement. The British, they would never do such a thing. It's just, I just love like Theresa May going, our world will be worth nothing on the international union, no one will believe us anymore, and we're just over here like, yeah, we've heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) We never believed you to begin with. Temporary security force in Northern Ireland is it? Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah.
0: So to start off uniquely Irish this week, I think we'll go through a couple of Irish loan words. Yeah, I, I suppose we 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 have our own dialect of English in this country.
1: As suppose the the technical name people use for is Hiberno English or Irish English, but we incorporate a lot of Irish words in, into when we when we speak English in, on a daily basis. Um, some of these are are direct words from Irish into English. Sometimes we use. Irish word order or even kind of direct translations from Irish terms um, into it. And some of them have more obscure origins, but it's definitely, if you live here, you'll definitely come across it a couple of times.
0: Yeah, but I think uh, the first set anyway is kind of more Irish words that maybe the English didn't have at the time. Yeah. And so they became the English words for everything. So the first one I have here on my list is the word brogue. Yeah, which is a shoe. Yes, I suppose. Of course. Um, if, any, if there's any wrestling fans, you might know Seamus' uh finisher is the bro kick. Yes. Uh, so obviously, we had a word for shoe. For some reason, the British didn't. Maybe they didn't wear shoes at the time. Who knows? But uh, we gave them the word, and uh, they stuck with it. Yeah, uh, we
1: still use it in Irish, from what I remember in primary school. I've need to use the word in Irish for shoe for quite some time, but but it's, what it's about bro- when you're
0: buying shoes in the Gaeltec.
1: It doesn't happen as much as you think, unfortunately. I, w- I would like to get better at speaking Irish. So you're saying like my that. Irish teacher lied to me all of those years? <laughs> it's just like you're doing things. Like, I don't remember this happening. It <laughs> didn't <laughs> happen the way that the, the role play said it would.
0: <laughs> now the next word we have is clock. Oh, uh, so let me just read down through here. Clock is then made into it was made into old High German, then into Flemish, and then English. Right. So it had a a weird way around, but uh, I think it's because it meant bell. Yeah, a clock uh, is, it can be used as bell in Irish. Yeah, I so I assume it, clocks having bells in it was such a big thing back in the day that it just kind of... Well,
1: it, I suppose it would have been. You'd, you'd have known the time by the church bells ringing at the Angelus at 6 o'clock like we talked before, and the yeah. be bells at 12, so in a lot of towns and whatever, you'd there'd be like a... I think of like Big Ben, like you know, you have like your bang on the hour. Yeah, like two bongs at two two o'clock or whatever.
0: But what about uh paying for Big Bang Ben's British Brexit? Oh what is point?
1: it? Um I, I'm gonna try and remember this. Oh, uh yeah.
0: Bing and above a it, no, Bob for a Big Bang oh, Bong.
1: no, it's it's bang a bob for a big bang bang. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that was so sweet. That's I mean it's like, ridiculous. Like, but Bar- it's Boris funny. Johnson needs to like go back to like writing and try and go into poetry. I mean, like
0: he he's practically the British M M&M. and M.
1: Yeah, it's like top ten rappers. Eminem is afraid of it this. It's like it's like him and the major general in like you know, Pirates of Penzance. Uh,
0: the next one, then, which I mean, it's a fairly obvious one, but it's Colleen. Yeah, it's a, so like, Colleen is the Irish word for girl. Yeah, and so then it became a name, which is where it's.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a kind of a direct kind of loan word. I mean, I think you'd—I've heard like used kind of more specifically for like oh, an Irish Colleen in kind of a. Oh a yeah, sense yeah, or, but
0: At the same time, it is also a name that some people have. I wouldn't. Colleen really... Rooney is the only person I can think of. Wayne I think it was wife. a Colleen in my uh, in yeah. secondary school, so it's not uncommon.
1: Yeah, I think less so, kind of going forward. Yeah. Uh, so then
0: we have the word galore. Really?
1: Yeah, from yeah. Irish galore. Oh, that see I think this is kind of the point I was making earlier where we're like we use these kind of loan words so much that it doesn't you know you, you don't kind of realize and I, I suppose I, I've only kind of copped now that Stu has said it that oh that is an Irish word and that means yeah. the same thing and I'm like I say it the whole time but is it because we grew up learning Irish from a very young age and in kind of a combination with English and we don't think of it as weird because we knew both meanings kind of surreptitiously or something I don't Well, know. i mean
0: you know as a friend of ours was talking to us yesterday about uh bilingual kids sometimes yeah. they have a bit of trouble differentiating the two when they grow up speaking two languages they don't know which words are from which language so i suppose it could be.
1: similar to that and i think when you I, I suppose it's something that um I, I know a little bit about linguistics i think it's called code switching when you have like two languages in an area and you kind of switch between the two but yeah. even like use phrases from another you see it a lot with in India with like Hindi speakers using English uh, Hindi kind of intermittently in a certain sense yeah. in particular if there's like a local language like Gorjati Gur- or something like that
0: right then we have keening which is a word that I'm not entirely familiar with is keening um a physical thing or are we thinking a keeling or something like that uh, I mean, keening it says it's lamenting or wailing Oh yeah. And sorry. then it's from uh yeah. Is it Queenam is the Irish
1: Yeah queen que- whale. Yeah, 'cause like uh, well, is crying yeah, in, sure. in Irish, it'd be
0: derived from like crying wailing. Like you can kinda of see the origin. Okay, so this one is a bit weird. Oh god. And they have an explanation for why it might be Irish, but they're not sure because I would not have put this as an Irish word. I'm intrigued. Kabosh is in to put the, uh, a kibosh on? Yeah, I, I get
1: the the cop the, the the. How is that Irish? That doesn't even sound like an Irish phonetic kind of thing. Kabosh. So
0: it says it, the origins aren't clear. Some saying that it's a Yiddish word, which would I would have thought it might. Sound, I, thought, I it sounds like Yiddish, kind of something in um, Jew would say. But uh, proponents of the Irish root say that it comes from the Irish, an vash. An vash. Yeah, take a look there. Meaning the cap of death.
1: Oh, that's a mushroom.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah. So the you know, the cap of death being the oh kibosh. I mean, I don't, I don't, know if that that sounds a bit scary. Like a, it is a, it's a type
1: of mushroom or kind of fungus thing that, grow, that grows in the forest, like a death cap. It's like very poisonous.
0: Well, yeah, in this t- in this way, it's saying that it's the, the black hat's worn by judges when sentencing someone to death. Yeah, that's an older thing where, the, when a judge was sentencing someone
1: to death, like you know they were in the wig and everything, yeah. they'd put a black kind of cap over the wig when they were sentencing someone
0: to death. Or fun fact, a gruesome form of torture called pitch capping. Oh, that's which a I only assume thing. is pouring burning pitch on someone. Yeah, it's you know, Steve. We were talking
1: about the British earlier and like lying and breaking international law. So. You'd be surprised the Brits did this in Ireland. No, uh, what pitch capping was? I mean, it was sometimes done in in response to being a, re- a re- re- being a rebel against the British government. But I I know it was used in some capacities where um you like had you know your farmhouse and you were like renting it off of like a larger British right. landowner. Like if you were like the you other know, the famine happened or whatever, oh, I can't pay the rent. They'd like destroy the house, and if occasionally they'd pitch cap, which was like getting pitch, which was like you know this hot kind of sticky substance, kind of like tar or something almost. Yeah, 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 yeah it's the same thing, I think. Um, And like they just put it on your head and they'd like, you know, it would like burn the the hair off your head and burn lovely your scalp. That's, and lovely and that's And then obviously, because it's going to harden into like a gloop thing. it's yeah, yeah, it's very unpleasant.
0: I can imagine. So then we have the word slew. So like yeah, a, a slew of something, fine. slew toys or whatever. Coming from the word "slua," meaning a great number. Yeah, yeah sluah is like a
1: crowd Um, in, in Irish as well, so sluah can be, mean like a lot of things in terms of lots of bits and bobs, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one then, which I think is going to shock you, so you might need to sit down oh, for this one. Oh, good God. I mean, be careful. This This is an Irish word, just so you know. Whiskey. I have a feeling
1: it is, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very fond of whiskey. It comes from like uh, Ishkabaha, yeah, which means water, water life, life, which it is in this country.
0: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: It's the same with the Scottish origin is is, is the exact same um, because they, you know, Scottish Gallagher, Galga, they, they speak it over there in the
0: island. Yeah, but spelt differently because we had to.
1: Yeah, well, we, uh, Scotch whiskey doesn't have any, e, um, Irish whiskey does. It's it's kind of it's the way you do tell a whiskey apart. Yeah. Um, I could talk a lot about whiskey, too, as you. I'm know. Sure I'm sure you fan, could we might I, have to do well, it on one
0: of these uniquely Irish segments at some point.
1: Yeah, I know more about scotch ironically than Irish whiskey, but
0: I, I, I know a fair bit. It'd be fine.
1: Um, I'd recommend someone's a future podcast. I suppose that the most famous kind of loan word the people associate with Ireland is actually like crack, you know, having the crack, which is one of those wonderful words we have which there isn't really a direct translation. I was going to compare it to like a Muschlichkeit, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, in German, where it's like kind of a good feeling kind of thing. And you can sort have the crack at the pub. It's like having a bit of fun, having a bit of banter, having, you know, having an enjoyable time. But that isn't an Irish loan word. Right. That is actually a loan word from Old English or Middle English, I think. Um, So it's actually like the English language has changed substantially. Um, in, you know, several thousand years, everything from spelling reforms to like getting rid of certain letters like jock and ash and all those things like the thorn to th sound that like this will have an Icelandic. Yeah. Even having like a massive vowel shift in the 17th century. So it's changed substantially. Uh, however, interesting, the Irish hasn't changed that much. You can still, while the spelling did reform in the 1960s you can still understand Irish like old Irish um pretty pretty reasonably yeah, if you I have mean, a reasonable understanding of it
0: of course we we're, we're all taught to read Ohmstones. So. we are actually <laughs> <laughs> so a nice rock there with some lines on it we can read that easily yeah uh, so crack isn't
1: an, an Irish word it, it's become kind of a hiberno english word if yeah. you will that's been associated with irishness like crack as cue it's effectively a loan word to irish from old english if you will but it's not but we use it better well, we understand how to use it, I think yeah. is the fair point. Um, I think, like, we talked about politics briefly. Like, we the word, we use the word for our Prime Minister, um yeah. which, you know, means leader or chieftain. It would have, been, would have been the head of a tribe and tarnished as our Deputy Prime Minister, meaning, like, tarnished It would have been, like, the second in command of a tribe. We had a system of tawnish-tree or taunish three, which was kind of how we elected our chieftains of tribes. It would doll for our Parliament, yeah. like, means the Assembly, things like that. So... And we use these, in, these are the same in like the English forms as well. We don't like say Prime Minister in English and Taoiseach in Irish. We'd only use Taoiseach in both languages. Yeah. So we definitely try and ingrain Irish into certain official things like...
0: Yeah, of course. We have it all under the street signs and stuff. But the last one I'll do, just because it's a fun word, is smithereens.
1: Yeah, that sounds Irish.
0: <laughs> yeah. So obviously uh, to explode into smithereens, uh, coming from the Irish smithereen yeah Ian is
1: often a modifier that you put onto Irish things meaning kind of small, yeah, so like you, you if you um it can also mean female in certain contexts um like for example like Patrick in Irish is Podrick, but like Patricia, which is you know the yeah. diminutive form would be Podrick Ian and things like that and you can say like you know you if you have like a, if you're called Sean and you have a son called Sean, you could call him like Sean old young Sean, but you could say like Sean Ian as well meaning like little Sean. Yeah, of or course, we have seen in one or two of the movies that we've watched. Exactly. I think I talked about that in The Quiet Man, didn't I? Yeah. Because, like I said, your man is like, he has a double diminutive. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. it was like, was it like Padraig? You know. yeah. So I was just like, he, Mike, Michael Ian. Yeah, he was just like, you'd be like Michael Jr. Jr. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, he was a very small man, so you kind of had to put the emphasis on it. He was. He was a likeable character. That was a great character. <laughs> now we'll get into the bulk of the show. So... Bear with us, we're going to try something a little different today. We're going to be
1: reviewing British films and actually doing complete 180 and talking actually about... British
0: the whole time. No, of course not. Uh, so, we're going to do kind of a, a little bit of a report thing. We might continue it on if it goes well. Just on Irish people that are significant throughout history, Irish events, and uh, maybe Irish places and stuff where certain things happened. So, we're going to try this one. And uh, to start with, I know Rob, you're uh, a big fan of history. Yep. And I couldn't actually find the numbers on this, but would you know how many times have people tried to steal the British crown jewels? Ooh. um,
1: I'm... Well, funnily enough, Stu, um, myself and the girlfriend are watching the film Johnny English at the weekend, oh. where the crown Jewels going missing as part of the plot line. Yeah, I think uh,
0: there are a few movies where that does happen.
1: Yeah, but I I think, as I'd like to clarify to our listeners, Johnny English is, in fact, not a documentary. It unfortunately is a, is a, it, it's actually like unfortunately there's no irish connection because i'd love to review I <laughs> think it wouldn't be bad for <laughs> them to review somehow but, rowan atkinson is irish come on we have to find it i think he he, he might have some irish in him I, I don't know um you'd be surprised but i in real life um well let me kind of think so i know they're kind of generally kept in the tower of london yes. so i sort of what they I, I don't know how long they've always been and generally they're only really taken out for coronations and they don't happen as often as they used to now. Yeah. Since like nineteen 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 fifty three was the last <laughs> one. And Lizzie is still going strong. Oh yeah. You know, I don't think there's any there's no fear of her. Um poor Charlie still waiting. Always always the bridesmaid, then for the bride. So I ugh, I could I eesh. I know they stole in other bits that weren't the crown jewels, like they store, stole stole the stone of Scone, A bunch of Scottish students did it, and um, buried in the field after a broken half. That's a, another story for another day. But uh, I maybe once in like, kind of
0: slightly after medieval times, I think. Right. Well, in any case, uh, I couldn't actually find any data on how many times it's been attempted stolen. Right. But the most successful and famous version uh, was done by a man named Thomas Blood. Ooh. So he's the only man to ever successfully steal the crown jewels. Good man. Uh, With a caveat, which we'll find out near the end. Uh, So Blood was actually born in 1618 in County Clare. Ooh, what part of Clare? Uh, No information. Oh, but, <laughs> that's okay. like it was a long time ago. They didn't have
1: a <laughs> lot of, uh, in
0: but in his house, probably his parents'
1: house. I'm trying to think. Do I know mm-hmm. any Bloods in County Clare? Because yeah, you know, we are recording this like about about yeah, like 500 meters from the border with Clare. Yeah, he might um, have been born right there.
0: He might have been born in the middle of the river. Mm-hmm. Shannon. You <laughs> Saint, never know. St Patrick's bed Yeah, that's cool. So his father was also Thomas. Uh, and he was a blacksmith and landowner uh, I have no information about the mother either And there's very little about any siblings that he had Yeah Which is strange, but suffice it to say There were probably many of them As was the style at the time As was the style, exactly <laughs> uh, His grandfather was Captain Edward Blood Of Killin' the Boy Originally from Derbyshire in England He became an MP for Ennis when he moved to Ireland <laughs> Dar- because... Pronounced Derbyshire, sorry <laughs>
1: I don't care. Yeah, sorry. English place names are like people get a with Irish place names, and it just like it's like oh, it's it's clock, it's clock, Jordan actually, or like it's Balanana, Balina, or something, or like Manila, and, and then like you get to like ah, lovely Chiswick. Oh, it's Chiswick. Oh, Newham. Oh, Newham. Look,
0: I mean, the worst thing ever <laughs> is Worcester sauce, oh, which Jesus. I have already just fucked up, even though I'm n- normally able to say it properly. I always say Worcester sauce. <laughs> no, okay. I don't know if that's the. I don't even know if that's correct anymore. <laughs> It can't be. There's so many parts to that word that don't make sense in the sentence. Or... So people like give out about like the French language
1: for like being like, oh, you don't pronounce like "au revoir." How the hell is that? What you pronounce? What's written yeah. there? My girlfriend's gonna kill me. She speaks fluent French, but you know, and I just like, but like English place names. Some of them are worse. Like my favorite is like "Loughborough." You've yeah. seen that spelled, haven't you?
0: Oh, I think L showed it to me. L
1: O U G H B O. R O U um, G H. Like the comedian Dave Gorman has a famous thing. Like someone asked him, it was outside Loughborough University. Like an American asked, him, Excuse me, sir, how do you pronounce this word? And he told him it was pronounced lowbrow, so lowbrow university. <laughs> which I Look, think is, it's like, which is brilliant. I, I mean,
0: considering if you've seen those memes of uh, the French Google Translate and you put in a word like street and it's like rue. and then you put in a, what a term for like red or pink or something and it's also pretty, it's spelt almost yeah. the same. And then you get the auto translate to write out the words like rou, 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 And it actually makes a sentence, but all they're doing is repeating the word rou, but it's spelt differently, so it's set, pronounced very slightly differently.
1: So you're saying is Richard Nixon was actually speaking French the whole time? Possibly.
0: <laughs> possibly he was. Anyway, he grew up S- mostly in Indian. Meath and went to Lancashire, England for schooling. Oh, you poor man growing up in bloody Meath. Yeah. <laughs> but I think his father owned land there, so it was kind of Very handy. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 20, he married Maria Holcroft, daughter of John Holcroft, who was a member of the House of Commons. Ooh, very uh, fancy. Which, fun fact, my grandfather always called the Jacks. Okay. Anytime he was like, oh, I must use the House of Commons. And it's only in later life that I realized that that must be a really old joke, where it's like, House of Commons, that's where you go for a piss.
1: Ah, uh, Yeah. I've never heard that before, but. Great man, a, great yeah, man. Go I, to the I House like of the,
0: commons. The commons, I love that. Yeah. Um,
1: Better than going to the House of Lords on a fancier toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's, that's something completely different. Uh, <laughs> Solid gold toilets. <laughs> Holcroft's other daughter, Lara, later dropped the hall from her, ni- her surname and went into tomb raiding. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a little joke I put in there. Not actually true, but I wish it was. She was arrested after she locked her <laughs> butler in the fridge. And <laughs> <laughs> tried to shoot him uh, back in the good old days. So when the first English Civil War started in 1642, in which people were unsatisfied with the people who held political power, uh, wanting Charles I to be above Parliament, yeah. while others wanted constitutional let's, monarchy. Let's not get
1: into the, the English Civil War, Stu. It's, um, not getting too much too into much it. Into just, into us. just like,
0: yeah. that's where like his career started, so I have to kind of give... Yeah. Uh, some people wanted uh, the king to be above parliament, mm-hmm. other people wanted a constitutional monarchy where it was kind of a little what, more balanced. What they have now, basically. Yeah, exactly. So he began as a royalist fighting for King Charles, mm-hmm. but later uh, when King Charles started siding with the Catholics, I believe, Yeah. he switched sides, became a Cromwellian uh, soldier. A roundhead is what yes. they were called. And uh, he might have actually possibly been a spy at the time. Ooh, interesting. Which uh, comes into his skill sets later on. So as payment for his efforts, he was given land in Ireland, and he became justice of the peace. Ooh. So, you know... It's kind, kind, of, a cushy it, title, it's kind of like a land.
1: kind of like a lay judge sort of thing. Like you'd you'd kind of go around villages in a certain area, and if, if there was like a dispute over land or something, yeah. you'd be like, "I'll sort this." Because like they had uh, quarterly sessions in court, which basically, oh, there will be a, a a judge will come to this courtroom every quarters, like the spring and the autumn and the summer, and he'll sort out any big issues. As opposed to like the special ones up in Dublin or somewhere larger, sure. yeah. We just kind of go around and be like, anyone need any special documents done or anything like that? We still have them in a certain capacity in this country, but they're not. It's less fancy. You call them peace commissioners now, PC. Yeah.
0: When he was a roundhead, he actually became a captain. Ooh. But uh, once he moved back, or once he got his land in Ireland, he decided to start calling himself Colonel for no reason.
1: Well, I just mean. because he could. Yeah, I, I suppose it's just like, oh, yeah, but you see, in Irish, it means
0: Colonel. All right. Yeah, something like that. Because <laughs> man's a lunatic, but it's fine. Why not? Uh huh. The monarchy returned to power in 1660 and so he lost all of his land and was in financial ruin.
1: Yep He's lucky. He's lucky. He didn't get killed. But that was kind of the Charles' son. It was also called Charles. Charles II uh, was the king, and he was like, "All right, I'll come." Like they were like, "Okay, this whole Cromwell thing didn't really work out. You can be king again." And he was like, "Fine." And we're sorry about that. And he's like, "All right, I'll give you some concessions when it comes to not like dissolving Parliament and like ruling on my own for like years at a time." Yeah. um and as long as you accept me as king and like pardon my father and everything else and he's like and you're not going to come after z- okay I won't come after most of you apart from specifically the people that executed my father they called them the regicides yeah that's fair and so like they were up like they, they were home drawn and quartered and including one should be. including Cromwell now Cromwell was dead at this point as was his son as was Henry Ayrton, who was the chief thing and his son-in-law who died in Limerick actually yeah of the uh, Typhoid I think which is called in Irish the Scourge of Cromwell
0: I can imagine why.
1: So they dug them up and put them on trial. Yeah. And then they chopped their heads off and they were put on like the things. Yeah, and in... then,
0: you know, drawing and quartering which is also yeah. fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a great story about Cromwell's head actually where it ends up. <laughs> so... oh, isn't it buried in like Oxford or some shit? No, you see, it actually, it was ended up in a bunch of places. It, I, basically, a circus like provider had it in America at one point and he nice. was like, he, First, like, pay me, pay me a dollar you can place. see his head because the head was like preserved or something. And it ended up back in England and eventually it was like given to the University of Warwick because he was from Warwickshire and they buried it in a somewhere in near the chapel. Oh, All okay, right. So yeah. basically the way it works is that when you're the professor of English or history, I can't remember which one in the University of Warwick, you're basically told, right, it's roughly here. Don't tell anyone else. So there's only one person in the university who knows where it's buried because.
0: Surely I, there's a chance that at some point that guy's going to die before he tells the next guy.
1: Yeah, well, I think I I get the impression pretty maybe more than one person actually knows where roughly where it is because I'm pretty sure if it got out like a bunch of Irish fellas with shovels would turn up there. You know? I don't see why don't. we just
0: don't burn the entire university to the ground. It's just
1: like Ireland. We're just like, well, we haven't put him on trial yet. If he can have, like if he can if he can have one
0: uh you know trial where he's dead, we can have another one. Look, Michael D Higgins needs a cup for his soup, and I think Cromwell's skull would be just fine. I, I would just love I always had this idea
1: of like a comedy sketch where like we, we the Irish government get back his skull and they put it on trial for like genocide. Yeah. And like they have they pay like a guy behind be like I did it and I do it again. So, and, <laughs> like, and then like and then like someone like they, they have like trains he picks up the skull and he says I'm gonna go get the jewelry down and like ah, and they tap it <laughs> <and he's like,
0: laughs> So one of those green morph suits so that he could be edited out later. That would be great. <laughs> right. Back to the story. So he wasn't exactly happy uh, with losing all of his land and money, as you can imagine. Of course. And so he decided, as you do, the best way to sort that out was a bit of kidnapping. As, as one does. Of course. I mean, you know, you lose something, you kidnap something. So it makes perfect sense. Uh, he planned with other Cromwellians to storm Dublin Castle, which, as we've uh, talked about before, was the centre of British control in Ireland. Yep. Uh, the idea was to capture John Butler, the first Duke of Ormond and Lord Lieutenant of Ireland and hold him for ransom. That
1: was, as we mentioned the Michael Collins, that was like the, yeah. the, the viceroy of Ireland, the governor general, basically the king's personal representative. Yeah, was like that it was the guy who was
0: handing over to Collins in it?
1: Yeah, not, it was, the, it was that the office. Hat. The big hat, that was Lord Lieutenant.
0: Right. Um, yeah, and so, as we've just said, that uh, title existed until 1922, so you know this is back in like the 19- 1660s. So it's been around for a very long time. I think it was about... I think uh, it was in the 1500s, it said that it... Came into effect. Yeah. I'm trying to think.
1: Because we were a papal lordship at first. Then Henry VIII upgraded us to a kingdom. Because he fell out with the Pope over you know, divorce and stuff. Uh, and many, well, there were many other reasons why. But we won't go into them now. But um, there effectively was a lord lieutenant in one capacity or another. But it went from being the king of England held it as a papal possession. Because the Pope gave him permission to like yeah. do that. Versus, oh I'm just king of Ireland now.
0: As they are wont to do. Uh huh. Uh, The plan went to shit as they were sneaking into Dublin Castle in disguise. Most of Blood's compatriots were captured, but he managed to escape dressed as a Quaker and later a priest. He didn't uh, escape dressed as a prostitute like our last Unfortunately not. He didn't have the genius idea of dressing up as a Lady of the Night. Next time, maybe. We can hope. Uh, He tried to free them, but couldn't, so he escaped off to Holland as there was now a price on his head in England.
1: Yeah, a load of the people that um, supported Cromwell did end up there.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I made a few friends over in Holland at the time, uh, but then his brother, some reports say brother, some say brother-in-law. It's very confusing because obviously this is a long time ago and mm-hmm. reports are not accurate at times. Uh, Lackey, was, who was a co-conspirator, had been captured as part of the escape attempt, uh, but two men dressed as women came uh, to try to bust him out. Uh However, he was recaptured and brought to the gallows. oh because, yeah, you know, oh, yay. I wonder he was if... part of trying to storm Dublin Castle, so you'd expect it while there. A rumor spread that blood was coming, and everyone, including the hangman, fled the scene. That's how much of a a personality he was. They were so- af- afraid of him that the hangman fled the hanging. Well, your man's just standing there with a hood on it, on him, and it, like the rope around his neck Jesus. and everyone scattered. It's like can I come down now? <laughs> <laughs> Just like what's going on? It's like it's almost a scene out of a movie where someone's blindfolded and then like a fucking T Rex or something comes in, you're like, I can't what what's happening? It's <laughs> left I, there. I
1: think I'll have to do it again, the blindfold fell off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh so unfortunately he was still executed for high treason for his involvement. Oh that's a shame. Blood snuck back into England under assumed names and in sixteen sixty seven tried to rescue his good friend Captain Mason. Uh, who was being moved to York at the time. The lookout left his post while they were watching on the road for the the company to move along, or to move down, Uh, and so the group assumed that they'd missed their chance. They decided, rather than following down the road to see if they could catch up with them, they were going to go for lunch. (laughs) Of course. While they were getting their meal at a tavern, they noticed the guards and Mason outside, and so, a bloody shootout occurred. <laughs> you know, absolute fucking luck. He was like, we're going to have our lunch here. It's like, oh, there's the guy that we missed. It's like us having a pint. That's himself. <laughs> <laughs> been, oh wait, we're supposed to rescue him, aren't we? Blood himself was injured in the battle, but they were successful and Mason uh, was saved. Some of the government men who were transporting him uh, had been killed, though, and so there was now a price of £500 on Blood's head. Ooh. Uh-huh. Which, you know... That's a lot of money. 1660 money. That's like... A couple of years worth of working in the the fields or whatever. Mm. He then took the name Thomas Allen and hid out in Kent for a while. Uh, blood was so infamous and feared by this point that some people were actually blaming him for the Great Fire of London. <laughs> it's like that's how bad he was. Like I think I saw him in London that time we had a big fire. Probably him then. Yeah. I mean, that did destroy
1: the city. Well, that was because it was mostly wooden. Everything was close together, and you know, it's just the way things happened. But very people actually died. They just destroyed the city, and they're able to
0: rebuild it then. And unfortunately, it was a baker who. Yep. Unfortunately, all that flour. He did bury his cheese, though. Good. I mean, save the cheese. I mean, the French would be in, in national mourning if the cheese. I were... mean,
1: par- it was parmesan. So it was like it was like really, really expensive. So no, well. I mean, you yeah, can yeah, understand that.
0: Uh, in 1670, then he moved to London under the name. And I'm going to try this, but you could read it after. Alof, thats literally the spelling. A y l o w l. I
1: I think it's probably like a French thing or something. I don't. I could be. But I have be no weird.
0: idea. A
1: Aof. something like that. Laffy. Uh,
0: and while there, he practiced as an apothecary and doctor. So he had no medical knowledge. So he just like, yeah, I'm a doctor, but. You know, I suppose at the time it wasn't you know, it was so it's like it's like you have a mallet and a, a sharp knife. Yes, you're a doctor, sir. It, it, it's just like I can see from your face that you have too much blood. Yeah, exactly. Let's <laughs> get rid of some bit of leeching. Chop off a leg. You'll be fine. Some cocaine there to keep you happy. Oh, they didn't. Have discover discovered that. Yeah, that that's the the 19th century <laughs> Opium, then whatever they had. I don't know. No, that not yet. I mean, they they hadn't really. Damn sp- it! Did they even have any drugs back then, Rob? How did they have any fun?
1: Well, they mostly alcohol. I ah, mean, sure. they, like this, like, like we talk, I think I might have mentioned this in the podcast before. Like, when they introduced things into the, the UK, there's a period called the Great Binge. It's like the late Victorian era, up to about right before World War One.
0: Yeah, in other words, like the gin riots.
1: Yeah, they basically had a. I think they called it the gin epidemic. When yeah. gin was introduced it, into the, the UK, they were so. Shocked by it that, like, this caused rioting, it caused people dying of alcoholism. Um, my favorite is in like Portsmouth, where they had to deploy the Royal Navy after three days of, of uh, violence. <laughs> That's the level it got in Portsmouth. The mayor was like, I need help. It's like, where are you in Portsmouth? It's like, oh, we, we could send in three ships. you <laughs> like that.
0: that just sounds like a good weekend in Ireland. I mean, come it on,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, it and they were like, drugs everywhere. Like, if you had a sore throat, here's some heroin. Um, yeah. you'd like, you know, co- times, cocaine, and cough drops. Um, and look,
0: if it's in the Coca-Cola...
1: You could send off, like, a hamper to, like, officers on the front at the very start of World War One, and it had, like, you know, iodine, cocaine, heroin, and, like, they'd have all the, the needles in there and everything.
0: So, the whole time he was pretending to be a doctor, he was studying the movements of the Duke of Ormond. On the 6th of December, uh, 1670, Blood, with a group of men, attacked the Earl as he travelled to St. James's Street, strapped him to a horse had rode through Piccadilly very good the plan was to get the earl to Tyburn where he would be hung uh, along the journey they had pinned the reasons for wanting him dead to his chest <laughs> It's pretty badass I know yeah it's like what is it uh, Luther and his 99 95 95 theses it's yep. like yeah no we're gonna do that but we're gonna do it on your fucking chest you dickhead <laughs>
1: I think I think Luther maybe would have made his point a little clearer if he did it to the Pope's face or something like that. Would that would have been great. I would have watched that. It's like Mr. Luther, if you continue, I'm going to have to excommunicate <laughs> <laughs> <One>, you. One more. <laughs> so yeah, Tyburn Hill is where they did hang people in London. It was famous. They go going up the the Tyburn, you know, meant
0: you, you're not coming back, basically. Right. Uh, yeah, everybody wanted thing. it to be quite public. Yeah, uh, a servant of the Duke gave chase and was able to free him. And they both escaped. Ooh. Even though uh the Earl was actually like tied to the horse. <laughs> that's wonderful. Like they somehow like that's just how bad he is it sometimes. It's like he's all of these great plans yeah. and then just goes to shit in the actual the process of doing it. Uh since the plot had been incredibly secret and no one was captured, blood was never fingered for the attempt. <laughs> <laughs> we have quite juvenile humour, but that was funny. Cut and that. it's it's a good word. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> This is a respectable podcast. (laughs) No, it's really not. Uh, Now we get to his greatest plot yet, Stealing the Crown Jewels of England. So first, uh, we'll go through a bit about the actual jewels themselves. Uh, They are a collection of ceremonial objects worn during the coronation of a king or queen. They are the only set set still in use in Europe, as all others have secular coronations now. Well, they don't
1: even have coronations anymore. It it specifically... um... An enthronement or a noblement, it, it's uh, they it,
0: it, the coronation
1: is are you know having the crown placed on your head, and it's specifically a religious thing. It's the reason why monarchs wear crowns is to kind of, uh, it's like you know the halo of an angel. Oh, right, okay, yeah, It's so like you know you'd see like they know the angels have like the halo around their head. It's to represent that. So like it's a crown of gold that right. represents that, and there's different ones across Europe. Like yeah, the famous uh, the Iron Crown, which had like apparently one of the nails of on the True Cross that Christ. Oh, like, Okay, in the course. actual crown, and, um, the famous uh, Sta- crown of Saint Stephen in Hungary, which was interesting because um, when you became king of Hungary, and at a different point, other monarchs outside you of Hungary were, stopped being Hungary. Yeah, <laughs> sure, but it was the crown itself held the lands of Hungary, not the monarch. So interesting. you, so you weren't, you didn't control all of the land in Hungary until you actually had the crown put on you. It's actually a very interesting crown. Like the, there's a cross on top, of it that's actually crooked, and it, it's not really gold. But it has like all of these kind of pic, like painted, certain kind of embroidered pictures about like Christ and everything going around it. Look it up. It's kind right. it's kind of interesting. So but basically, the it's UK the is the last one to still be done at the moment. So what you are yeah.
0: saying is that they're blaming the crown for the the increases in rent. It's like that fucking crown asking for more money again. <laughs> it's not the king's fault. He only wears the crown. <laughs> it's like I can't I, I I can't do anything. The crown the crown is in charge. What's it uh... Heavy is the crown that wears the king. I yeah. don't know how that that something. phrase would work in backwards. I yeah, <laughs> something, something like that. Um,
1: but no, you are a true, Steve. They, they Well, potentially we haven't because they haven't had a coronation in such a long time. It's yeah. whenever if. The Queen dies at this point, yeah. I think we should probably say. Um, it's unclear. They'll probably do something quite grand and fancy, but I think it might be kind of phased out a bit. Like, yeah. if you look at... There's a lot of new monarchs that went in in Europe in the last kind of 10 years. You, you People are starting like finally be like, I'm a bit old. I'm probably going to abdicate in favour of like, my younger children.
0: Yeah, which is the fairer way to do it when you're... Yeah,
1: so they don't redo really the coronations like the, like the King of Spain and Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, they didn't you know, have like the crown placed on their head by a bishop or anything like that, or the Pope in some cases with Catholic monarchs. So that's, um, it's really only the English that do it because, you know, the, the, the king or queen of England, or United Kingdom, sorry, um,
0: is the correct term, is also the supreme governor of the Church of yeah. England. And so they have, a, there are religious roles. It's probably the best collection anyway, so they might as well. So uh, the oldest item in the collection is actually from the 12th century. Hmm. Is that the sort of... St. Edward? I thought it was. I I, I don't have it written down, but I think it was a spoon of some kind. Yeah, there's bits that they actually have like about three crowns, I think. I have the list here, so I'll actually go through it. There's 142 objects. Yeah, there's quite quite a few of them. So there's 35 pieces of secular plate. Yep. I assume armour of some kind. It is, yeah, yeah. 31 pieces of altar plate. Okay. 16 trumpets. Yep. Thirteen maces. That's about right. Seven sovereign crowns. Yep. Six consort crowns for the old mm-hmm. consorts. So hey. yep. <laughs> Because you know you might need you might have six consorts. You know you want to rest on Sunday.
1: <laughs> well, there's different ones. I mean, I know they have like there's an imperial crown that I think was when the queen was actually crowned with, and there's like an older, smaller kind of version. So they 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 can use different yeah. ones, and there's different ones like for women and men and whatever and you know yeah sure if your are the queen's father George the Sixth, his wife was the queen mother also Queen Elizabeth she was crowned with him but like Prince Philip wasn't crowned when the the queen was it doesn't work that way oh yeah of course in that, in that kind of sense so but then there maybe. are
0: six swords six scepters yep say that with a lisp uh, six scepters three robes three yep. rings mm-hmm. three pieces of baptismal plate yep Three Prince of Wales coronet. Yeah. Two orbs. Of course. Two pairs of armils. I don't know what that is. I have no idea either. Yep. I should have checked. I assume that's like, is that like leg kind of stuff, is it? Or it has the word
1: arm in it, so. I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe it's like for for a chair. I was thinking it's like armor or something, but um, for like legs, I yeah. don't know.
0: One pair of spurs. Yes. One ampulla. Okay. One spoon. Mm-hmm. A walking stick, yeah, okay. yeah. And an armlet, and a mond. And uh, while reading that out, I realised that this is uh, Lizzie's version of uh, the, the 12 Days of Christmas. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ, good luck Just, doing that. Could you imagine it on the 35th day of Christmas, I got 35 pieces of secular plate? <laughs> all 35 the way down. pieces of secular plate, 34. Because <laughs> <laughs> she can. So, yeah, it's a huge collection. Uh, all in all, there are twenty three thousand five hundred and seventy eight stones of various kinds on the the pieces. Yep, there are, which is insane. These include uh, the Cullinan Diamond, which is the largest clear cut diamond in the world. I believe that's on the Imperial Crown, isn't it? Oh, I couldn't tell you? Yeah. It is 503 carats and weighs 100 grams. That's that's pretty pretty big. Yeah, that, that's worth... bludgeoning diamond level there. You could kill someone with that diamond.
1: Yeah, that's probably be worth a few bob down the bookie.
0: Yeah, well, I I actually have it a bit about the, the prices later on. Uh, at a coronation, the monarch is anointed using holy oil, poured from an ampulla, so there's what that one is, uh, into the spoon, uh, invested with robes and ornaments, and crowned with St. Edward's crown. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, it is exchanged for the lighter imperial state crown, yep. which is also usually worn at state openings, Parliament yep. held in the Tower of London. The jewels are regarded as priceless. I think the the stone, the, the Cullinan stone itself, might be worth £400 million right. or something like that. It's ridiculous. I mean, besides the fact that obviously these are all owned and are the crown jewels of England, and therefore you cannot put a single price on any of them. Well, I mean, the thing—the thing about it is, I suppose, where the Queen is like is the boss. Like, it's her country, yeah. her
1: land, and you are subjects to her. on, also, like, on like some other, if you were
0: place. to buy them, you'd be buying them with pictures of her. Yes, yeah, so that, <laughs> that's.
1: Well, you see, that's the kind of thing because theoretically, the, the Queen could just walk up to like the Bank of England and be like, "Hello, would you like to
0: withdraw all of it, please?" I mean, it's like who's going to stop her? It's just like. Who are you? I'm the governor of the Bank of England. All right, I'm in charge now. <laughs> get, she, get she's, just, she's just there getting a portrait taken. And so, you know, they're painting her away. And now if you could just put the number one billion in the top left corner, please. And then the pound sign before it. <laughs> like, this is my new currency. Well, I'm pretty sure. Would you
1: even need to do that? I, I think, like, just for, with how, like, my knowledge of English law and stuff. I'm pretty sure she just write down, like, a note. I owe you one billion pounds. I'm the queen. Here yeah. you go. I'll I'll take this house off you then.
0: Yeah, and then she could probably you know uh, absolve her of her own debt.
1: I presume. I presume she could. I mean, I think a, let, <laughs> a let, like a letter off the
0: queen saying discharge you from your debt would probably be yeah. fair enough. She just discharges herself. Perfect. Right. Back to the plan. <laughs> the plan to steal the crown jewels went ahead in 1671. Blood had visited the Tower of London many times to view the jewels and learn the security arrangements of the guards. He also tried his best to become friends with the master of the Jewel House, Talbot Edwards. So he started by having a female compatriot acting as his wife go with him to the Jewels. uh, And while there, she pretended to fall ill and started begging Talbot for help. So Talbot's actual, like, where he lived, his living quarters were really close by. Okay. So they were brought there. And of course, they were a little bit pally, like his wife was there and everything. So they were chatting away uh, while she was getting... Uh, I think they had, like, some liquor for her just to <laughs> settle her stomach. You know, as all things should be, you're sick, alcohol. Well, I mean, he's probably going, oh, Mr. Blood, you are
1: a doctor. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I'm uh, pretty sure know- he's
0: probably dressed as a priest at this
1: time. All right, he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, what fixes fix like that? A bit of brandy. Oh, oh yeah. i got some back in the house. Beautiful. As
0: we all know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the next time they returned to kind of thank them for that, uh, they brought uh, gifts at times, and so they kind of kept returning to see Talbot and his wife and kind of ingratiate themselves uh, with gifts. I think it was gloves at one point, gloves for the, the wife and stuff. And uh, at one point, they went so far as to promise the marriage of his imaginary nephew to Talbot's daughter <laughs> just to ingratiate themselves even more. It's I'll like, go get him now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a perfect idea. It's like, oh, I have a nephew and he's looking for a wife and you have a daughter there. It's like, we'll be best friends and we'll marry them off. Perfect. So on the 9th of May... 1671, their plan went into action, so asking Talbot if he and his friends, including the imaginary nephew, could see the jewels, Talbot agreed. They brought concealed blades, daggers and pistols for the heist. Upon entering the jewel room, a cloak was thrown over poor Talbot. He was hit in the head with a mallet, stabbed and tied up and gagged. And uh, just so you know, this man is 77. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, you know, not the nicest thing to do to the poor old bastard, but they did it. Uh, I think the, the whole them going in to see the jewels was just kind of a side hustle that he had that no one really knew about. Yeah. I'm not sure if he was allowed to let people in, but he was like taking a few coppers off them and uh, let them in to see the yeah so those. I was
1: thinking that because I, I don't think it's quite like you can go view some of them now and stuff. Yeah, of I course. don't think it was quite back then because like the, these would have been like oh these are like holy objects and stuff and like they, they might be worried there might be some um, Cromwell supporters they are like kind of lurking around there it yeah. might disrupt things so, so I can't imagine it was you know the king would
0: like, <laughs> knew about this yeah, he needs more money for some reason, so he's charging a couple of pence to to see his own jewels. Um, actually, he was. That was actually. Yeah, I know. Very, <laughs> there's more about that.
1: There's a very important point that you know the reasons for the civil war was because like the king, King Carleford kept suspending Parliament, but he needed Parliament to raise taxes. Yeah, and that didn't work, so he ended up with like when he brought back parliament oh, i need you to pass these taxes so i have money to you know run the country and stuff yeah because uh, there, there weren't really prime ministers and stuff at the time there wasn't right. really like, a good government in in a sense and they were like all right we're going to debate though about doing other things that you don't like and not allowing like religious freedom and things anti-catholic stuff and he's like uh oh, there's all of you again and he tried passing a tax like that thing that looked like a tax and basically was a tax he said oh no it's not a tax. It's a
0: it's a royal prerogative thing because it involved boats. Yeah, of course. I mean, yep. He needs more boats. They removed the metal bars protecting the jewels. Blood flattened the crown so that he could hide it under his coat <laughs> because it wouldn't fit into the bag that he brought. Oh, of course. So the mallet that, that he used to 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 whack Talbot, he just tapped down the hat, the, the the hat or the crown, I should say, and uh, stuffed it into his coat. Jesus. Uh, The scepter was cut in two to fit into the bag. And the last man stuffed various pieces down his pants. (laughs) As you do. Uh, Don't forget the baptismal font. (laughs) (laughs) Everything including the baptismal sink. So during the escape, Talbot continued to struggle against his bonds and got loose enough to sound the alarm shouting, Treason, murder, the crown is stolen. And by sheer bad luck, Talbot's son had been returning from overseas that exact day and kind of stumbled in upon them as uh, they were making their escape. And so he also helped to, to raise the alarm. I so you going to father. say help, help
1: blood <laughs> just like, oh yeah I'm one of your your, your your father's mates oh you're the doctor priest like, ah exactly help me lift these out there it's like I'm doing some uh, laundry for your father where is he he's like oh, I don't know I haven't seen him in ages
0: Rob obviously what you do is you say that the thieves are around we're trying to get the, the jewels to safety give us a hand <laughs> I could tell a story involving one of our friends if it's in but I won't. That might be where I'm getting that from. So, a chase <laughs> on horseback ensued uh, with cries of alarm being called all over. Blood and his men, the clever bastards that they were, joined the shouting to confuse the guards. They went that <laughs> way. Oh yeah, I saw them. So they're literally shouting the same thing the guards are. They're just like, where are the guys who stole it? <laughs> it's like, like painting your car to look like a guarded car and driving away. <laughs> So I don't know where they are. They're dressed up as guards. Stop them. (laughs) (laughs) They were pulling over each other, guards. Uh, They dropped the sector and continued their escape, just by accident, of course. Uh, They wounded one of the guards, shooting at him from one of the gates, and the other was paralyzed by fear and didn't fire a shot. Wonderful. Unfortunately, they were captured before reaching the Iron Gate, which I assume is the main gate Mm -hmm. that they would have needed to escape through. Uh, Blood continued to struggle with his captors, eventually giving up and saying, It was a gallant attempt, however unsuccessful. It was for a crown. So during the interrogations, Blood refused to speak to anyone but the king himself, and so was brought before King Charles. been like in a shit mood. It's like, <laughs> what the hell did you do to my crown, mate? You say that, but... Uh, no one is sure what went on in this meeting but rather than being hung for any of his crimes which there were many i mean he was as i said people were saying that he was the one who started the great fire of london people yeah. actually believed that it's like we have you for a lot of other shit too you've killed some people you've kidnapped some people you've tried to kidnap others uh he was just give, let go he was a free man <laughs> they gave him nothing Beyond giving him nothing, they actually gave him land in Ireland oh, and a pension of £500 a year. I, I don't know what he said to the kings too, but he must have had like a golden tongue or something. It, like. Something like that. It, uh, it's theorised that Blood was so charismatic and charming that he was able to gain the king's favour in their brief meeting. The king had an affinity for scoundrels and may have been amused that Blood thought the crown jewels only worth £6,000. <laughs> which is ridiculous, I think. He had valued them himself at like a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, it's just like six thousand. You were going to sell this for? I'm gonna lowball the king. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, look, I have the Mona Lisa in in, in the back there. I'll give it to her tenor. Like, you for tenner. This is like when when there's like those scams in New York, where it's like,
1: oh, I can sell you the Brooklyn Bridge yeah, kind yeah. of thing for like a million dollars. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it's clearly worth more than that. Uh, other theories say that the king was in fear of rebellion and killing blood may become a catalyst. Obviously, with his um. Lack of funds. He couldn't afford another rebellion. And uh, killing blood would cause that. Or that blood might have actually been a spy for Charles in earlier years. And so this was kind of a reward. Oh, okay. There's also another theory that the king actually asked him to steal. Like to the test jewels. out the... No, no. No, no. Not to test them out. To sell them. So that the king could get some cash. On the sly. Yeah. Right, fair enough. Which is another brilliant... Like, it... it it's annoying that there's no way of knowing what actually happened in there, yeah. but I like that one where it's like the king's like, "Look, blood, will you uh, will you steal my my crown there and a few other bits and instead settle of settle on me. the fly, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I <laughs> need another boat
1: and I don't have the cash. <laughs> I want to go back to Parliament again. They keep saying about oh, your brother's a Catholic and he can't be your heir, and like, shut up, yeah.
0: <laughs> so he later became a, a big figure within London society as an advocate in claims for suitors to the crown. Ooh. In John Wilmot, the the 2nd Earl of Rochester's History of Insipids, he wrote of blood, Blood that wears treason in his face, villain complete in parson's gown, How much he is at court in grace for stealing Ormond and the crown. Since loyalty does no man good, let's steal the king and outdo blood. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like, how do we outdo this guy who got so much for doing something really bad? Like, gotta steal the king himself. That's wonderful. Uh, he had many arguments later with the Duke of Buckingham, which escalated until the Duke sued Blood for insulting remarks. That being saying that he was kind of a in a, an illicit relationship with a, a young girl. Pretty sure he was. Could have been. Uh, but he sued and won for him t- calling him that anyway. So the King's Bench fined Blood £10,000, which is a lot. That is a lot. Uh, And Blood never paid it. Blood fell into a coma in August of 1680 and died two days later on the 24th of August at his home in Westminster. He was buried at St. Margaret's Church on the grounds of Westminster Abbey, but such was his reputation for trickery. People believe that he may have faked his own death (laughs) to get out of paying his debts. Genius. Because of that, He was exhumed, and it was confirmed that it was indeed blood buried there because he had oversized thumbs. (laughs) Like, they they dug him up. He was too rotted to actually tell if it was him. But for some reason, he had had weird thumbs. It was like, yeah, that's him. (laughs) And that's how they found out. Tommy blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then his epitaph reads, Here lies the man who boldly hath run through more villainies than England ever knew and ne'er to any friend he had was true. Here let him then by all unpitied lie, and let's rejoice his time has come to die. So, you know, clearly very loved by the people uh, who buried him. Absolutely, uh, His descendants became quite distinguished throughout Britain and Ireland. A lot of them became uh, great military heroes hmm. in various battles throughout the centuries, and one who is actually uh, Irish, is Brian Inglis, you might know. Rings a bell. A famous might. journalist, historian, and TV presenter. I think, yeah, there's definitely something there. Uh, yeah, I I've kind of I clicked through to see, and he has some quotes on his page, and one of them is great, on uh, the Irish famine. He says, If the British choose not to consider Ireland part of Britain when such an emergency arose, they could hardly compa- complain... If the Irish did, likewise. That's very like, true. Fucking great. Just That's wonderful. Good bit. So then the story of Blood's attempt to steal the crown jewels became incredibly famous and has been adapted uh, in multiple works, including movies, books, and the board game Outrage, oh. which I hadn't really heard of, but uh, it's a game where you actually attempt to steal the crown jewels. Kill. Cool. And uh, it's been referenced multiple times in uh, Sherlock Holmes, the original stories, they did it in the Muppets and uh, in <laughs> David Walliam's children's books there's one where yeah, there, I think there's something the, about the, that, the, the grandmother there? tries to steal the crown jewels and when the queen is interrogating her after she cites Thomas Blood being let off as a reason that she should also be let off and it's like clever man so thus ends the story of Thomas Blood I do know that the, another podcast,
1: I think it's the Irish History uh, uh, podcast, did put out one this week, actually, about the the this the robbery of the Irish crown jewels, which is a bit different. Yeah. Uh, that was in, like, 1907, I think, and it's, they've, they've still never been recovered, actually. So give, that a, give that a listen if you'd like to hear something if about you it. Check
0: out your back garden. It might be there. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Up in some granny's attic. She just takes it down once a year and puts on the crown. Oh, God. Exactly. Um, So,
1: yeah, we tried something a little bit different today, guys. uh, Let us know
0: what you think. Uh, This was uh, a step out. I planned on doing this earlier on in the week, and then things got a little hectic, and so I ran through it this morning. And uh, we got a good length out of it, I must say. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to go as long as it did, but it it came to about the usual time, which is good for us. Yeah, I think it was something a bit different. We
1: talked about kind of branching out a bit and kind of talking about Irish people in kind of interesting
0: things in life yeah of course you know? i mean like an irish badass like himself i mean i suppose technically you could say thomas blood would have probably regarded himself as english but he was like third generation irish i think it's day. like anglo-irish yeah kind of ascendancy is kind of what you'd kind of say so i think it counts and uh just what a great story i mean the crazy shit that he did in his life leading up to stealing the crown jewels of england and being the most successful attempt. As far as I'm aware, anyway, I don't think anyone's ever actually Um, stolen them. Not to my knowledge. Yeah, he's the only one who's actually probably gotten them that far from what we could find, which is a really cool thing. So uh, if you have suggestions for other uh, badass people from Irish history that we might do, or maybe events. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty. Like, you know, the Siege of Jadaville. We could do the film and then talk about the historical events. Yeah.
1: That would be kind of interesting. I mean, there's plenty of other people I have in mind. So um, I think we can definitely find out. Yeah, there's there's uh, some crazy stories of Irish people turning up in random places and doing weird and Oh, yeah, things. we do a lot of weird stuff. We sure do. It's just like, oh, but the Orient Irishman was there and the day was saved. Sometimes that just happens.
0: Yeah, so I think maybe Rob might do one next week if you like. We might.
1: Um, I was working on the Irish video game characters thing. And yeah, I mean you can IMS. either
0: you can either do that one or if you find a topic that you'd like to do a bit of a report on, we can do that. Yeah, so let's just say next week's episode will be a surprise. Another surprise. Something Almost the same as this one, but also different. Yeah, I,
1: I'm probably going to do it about the
0: video games thing.
1: If like you Irish it
0: enough. <laughs>
1: I'm enough. I've got some stuff, so I'm going to try and do it about um, Irish characters in video games, and also video games that are set in Ireland in some capacity, and kind of talk about that a little bit. And I'm like going to throw in like how the Irish video game industry has actually taken off quite a bit in the last few years.
0: Cool. So, uh, play us out? If you can remember, I don't have the thing up.
1: Ah, it's, you know, I got the gist of it. Um... <laughs> okay, give us a like. See, on whatever podcast app you
0: use, five stars would
1: be lovely. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on Spotify. We're on Acast and all the Apple. iTunes. Well. iTunes. Uh, um, a few others. Like, yeah, you can find us everywhere there. you can find podcasts. You can, of course. Um, if you have anything you'd like to, any feedback you'd like to give us, you can find us at uh, Talki- uh, BlarneyPod uh Twitter.
0: Yeah, at Blarney Pod, At
1: BlarneyPod. And then you can email us at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com as yep, well. Cool. We appreciate all feedback, guys. Any suggestions for, you know, we'll do movies, books, we'll do video games now. Yeah. Any kind of interesting stories. Anything really just about uh, kind of perceptions of Irish people, Irish culture in kind of any real media format, Will we will definitely
0: consider. Yeah, we're all about educating people on Ireland and uh, what it's really like here and yeah. a lot of the cool shit that happens that's true mm. and I think
1: we, we if, you've even, if there's any suggestions for like uniquely Irish if there's something about Ireland that you're, you'd like yeah, to you hear about that's fine can... I mean there's plenty of weird things about Ireland that maybe if you come to this country like not having any experience it, you'd be like what the hell is that yeah I'm sure there's a lot of that <laughs> so um, yeah it's goodbye for me uh, see you next week that went well